0: Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of Powering Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. What's going on, Julie?
1: You know, I feel like I should ask you that. We're so close to the end of tax season as we record this, and you're just cool, come and collected in here doing a episode.
0: There's a deadline. What? I don't. Did someone I told it? me. I don't know. I got. Oh. I got something. Ah, like it's that. only taxes. It's nothing important. So we'll be fine with that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to have you on, on board again today, Julie. It's been a couple of days since we've done one of these, and we've got a special guest today, Mark Chef, fellow entrepreneur, driving force behind Mark Chef Coaching and Mark Chef Illustration. He's helped many want to be clients to, to discover and fulfilling their purpose. Mark, thanks for being on the show.
2: Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: You bet. I, I detect a slight West Virginia accent. Uh, is that where you grew up from? <laughs>
2: You're so good at accents. I've listened. I've listened to this before. I, I am actually. Uh, you mentioned. Uh, what did you mention before? I'm from Boston originally, and right. then uh, spent some time in San Francisco, and I'm now in Brooklyn.
0: Brooklyn. So that home is Boston, then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Born
0: is that how you decided to? Uh, uh, there's a little school up there you went to for college. Is it pretty easy to get into? And no small big deal? school in Cambridge, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, uh, is it easy to get into? I don't know. Um, I went to I went to a high school. I was very fortunate to go to a high school that was founded in 1645 wow. as a uh, basically a, a school that that was a feeder school for that small school in Boston to uh, to for ministers or something. I don't know. Um, that is not the path that I took obviously, but, uh, <laughs> it's a long, rich history there.
0: But it was a way to get access and go get, It was probably a pretty, uh, pretty amazing place to, uh, to cultivate some relationships and, uh, figure out who you want to be when you grow up, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, no, very fortunate to have grown up there and to have had that opportunity.
0: And what made you decide to leave Boston and, and go to New York?
2: Um, well, I left Boston for San Francisco. And uh, honestly, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert, a uh, bit of a homebody, and that has not changed in the 46 some odd years I've been around. But um, it was actually a friend of mine uh, who, when, you know, when, when different companies were coming, was, I graduated in 1999 from Harvard. Uh, we can mention the name of the school. <laughs> um, I, you know, we, they had these recruiters coming then saying, oh, we've got all these tech jobs. I was a computer science major. And, you know, I was saying, oh, no, you know, I'm just going to stick around here. And my friends, you know, and they were coming. And my friend said, look, there's a free trip to San Francisco. Just go on the trip. You don't have to take the job, you know. But I went and I just fell in love with uh, with San Francisco and, you know, the people that I met out there and the, 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 the people who were getting hired by this company. So I chose to go out there then.
0: How long did you stay out there, San Fran?
2: Uh, almost nine years. Oh, wow. I was there and I, I lived I lived all over. I did. Uh, and this is when I sort of went through that transformation from tech and sort of exploring the world of coaching and art. And, and that's when I got into a lot. That's really when this, this whole thing started. Yeah.
0: So it was like a three hour tour and you stayed there for nine years.
2: That's how, <laughs> that's how it works. It was very much... Yeah, yeah. I don't know which character I would be on the show, um, but, but but yeah, we you know we we did. We actually went on a boat. That was part of the uh, that was part of the trip when I went out there. We went on yeah no we went on a they took us on a you know sort of cruise around saw Alcatraz and the Golden Gate Bridge and everything. And uh, there was music. I actually got up with the band and sang that night. I was I was uh, I was in I was actually I, I'll, I'll brag a little bit. I was the president of my glee club in high school and my singing group in college. Um, so I got up and sang with the band on my, I don't think that got me the job, but I don't know if it hurt.
0: <laughs> it, anytime you have an opportunity to belt one out, you might as well do it. So there's, that's a good thing.
2: Yeah. And I think I probably, I mean, I think it was open bar. So I probably had some liquid courage that night.
0: Listen, we all sound better if it's karaoke night, that's a rule. <laughs> if it's just game on, game on. So, you know, we, part of the, the, what we love about our podcast is we're, you know, the purpose is try to inspire entrepreneurs and, and help them as they figure out their journey, and, and part of that is trying to share in those things that happen with other entrepreneurs and how they got from A to B and made those decisions. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, how did you decide on, you know, the computer science degree and ultimately to the art part, because that's a very unique combination, because there's like the digital art, and then there's like regular art, art, and you know, I don't think you're a painter <laughs> painter, but I think you might be a, the digital content kind of guy.
2: Um. Well, yeah. So in high school and, and up until high school, I, I, I did a lot of art and I was very committed to that. In fact, my my high school teacher, who really was a, a mentor in, in life for me, uh, Mr. Buckley, he he took a few of us one semester when we didn't have an art option and allowed us to to skip one of our other creative options and do do art because he saw you know that we had some proclivities, some interest and talent. And so all the way through high school, that's what I did. And, you know, I grew up, like I said, in Boston with a fair amount of privilege. And with that also comes with great privilege, comes great expectations. And those expectations were not to become a starving artist. Uh, so, you know, what I decided my first year of college, you have to pick your your major, you know, the first year, which is a very silly thing. I think who knows what. Yeah. I mean, you know, I kind of I kind of I didn't know. Um, but I did know that I, that I didn't really enjoy writing. So I looked at all the majors that didn't require a thesis, I'll be honest. Um, and, you know, and I liked computers. Um, and so, you know, I thought, OK, I'll, I'll do this. And, you know, at the time, the tech industry was starting to boom. This is 1995, 96. Um, and I saw a future there. So I thought, OK, you know, I'll go, I'll get a job. I'll, you know, I'll make some money and I'll take art classes kind of on the side. Um, so I went out to San Francisco in 99. Uh, I, you know, I did that, I did that work. I, and very, very quickly at my first job, I, I moved with a group of us from the more sort of technical development into a little bit more of a creative kind of front end, basically what we know as, as, like a web developer. Um, it wasn't really a thing then there was like, you know, there was the art people and then the developers just sort of made the website, but this was starting to become a thing in 99. And, and then after, what was kind of the crash then I was again sort of fortunate I kept you know there was everything was sort of crashing but everyone also still thought that there was just tons of money out there because VCs were still you know funding lots of places so I kept sort of getting these jobs and then having these companies kind of crash a couple months later and you know they they gave these big severance packages um so in the middle of all this I decided you know I'm going to do what I said I was going to do and I'm going to take an art class this will be fun it was a little bit more than fun i really fell back in love with with the process of of making work and and i'll you know this wasn't like some you know advanced you know portraiture making beautiful paintings this was literally charcoal on newsprint making you know drawing spheres and cubes and like really really basic stuff but i just i loved being there so it was 2000 I want to say 2002 when I was at a job and, and I actually wrote this woman a thank you note recently uh, because my, my boss at the time kind of called me in and was like, you know, kind of noticed that you're really, you're really busy. It seems like you're really focused on this art thing and kind of gave me unofficially a heads up. She's like, you know, we've seen a lot of layoffs. Like if, if, if layoffs were happening and there were a severance (laughs) package, like would that be something that you want? And, um, And I mean, obviously, this is 20 years ago, so I don't feel like anyone's going to get in trouble she wasn't supposed to do that. But I was very, very grateful to to take that opportunity and put essentially a down payment on my art career. Uh, From there, I was able to get jobs, you know, like I was a creative director at a startup at the time, and I went and worked at uh, video game companies. And my tech background and my art background helped me get a foot in the door with, with those opportunities.
1: I want to take a step back. You talked about Mr. Buckley and being a mentor. Do you still oh, talk yeah. to him to this day? Is he still involved in your life? And what, you know, you kind of alluded to what he kind of did for you in regards to, you know, seeing your passion and kind of helping it come out. But can you just elaborate on that a little bit more? Because I think that's so important.
0: I think what he did Half, is he made him skip 100%. math class and go to art class. That's a great <laughs> teacher right there. I don't know how to, I want to get that guy.
2: <laughs> I actually really liked math too. So I skipped music class. God, see, oh, that's even better. Funny Funny, funny enough was was also uh, enjoyable. Um yeah, Mr. Buck I, I had two art instructors from my my history who I still keep in touch with. Mr. Buckley was one and uh, Miss Purdy, my fifth grade art teacher who I I remember really kind of stood up for me in my creative process. But um but Buckley was there from 7th grade to 12th grade. My my school was a was one of those schools that did 7th to 12th. And um, frankly, I I was having having a difficult time as a child. I I had, you know, I had a sort of hard time with my parents at home. um, And I think that was sort of starting to come out a little bit at school of my behavior. And he was one of the teachers who kind of didn't really talk to me directly about it, but really supported me in sinking a lot of that energy into my creative work. So more than just sort of someone who was like, you know, sort of encouraging, but he was really he was a very honest person. You know, he would not pull any punches if you wanted to, you know, if he if he had stuff to say about the way the school was run or what he thought about what was happening, he would tell you. Um, and he trusted us also not to go and <laughs> spread everything he was saying. Um, I do still keep in touch with him. Uh, actually, he just retired last year, and I went, I drove back up to the school um, to see him and, and get a little bit of time. And, um, you know, he's still someone that, um, that, that I'll share I'll share, you know, what I'm up to with share my journey, because I think, you know, one of the things that he, one of the things that he sort of instilled in me is is um, is a little bit of that entrepreneurship spirit, you know, that that spirit of mentorship, that spirit of coaching, and really meeting people where they are. You know, he didn't, he never. You know, made me feel ashamed for whatever it was that I was feeling, or making some crappy piece of art. You know, he would encourage me. He would challenge me, and I think I've carried that with me through re- literally everything that I've done.
0: That's kind of cool that you get the, uh, you know, a lot of times those mentors you never know when they come in your life, right? But at seventh grade, that's pretty cool. That started out young, which is kind of kind of great because it kind of puts you on a different mindset, I would think.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, um, every, you know, it was a very, like I said, the school was founded in 1645. There's a lot of tradition and there's a lot of, you know, sort of expectations and, you know, you kind of have to fall in line a little bit with, with most folks, but with him, I mean, certainly, you know, he didn't, he didn't suffer fools, but in a way that kind of made more sense. It wasn't just about rigor and rules. It was about life. You know, he would, he would sit with us and it wouldn't just be about, you know, you you better get in line or you're going to go to the, you know, the principal's office or the dean's office. It was about, you know, hey, when you leave this place, you're not going to get anywhere with whatever's happening, whatever you're doing. Here's a better way to really think about things, but also not just about blindly following the rules. Again, that entrepreneurship spirit, you know, not not just sort of saying, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do and I'll do this and this is what I'm being told, but really, um, really something that I, I use in, in my life now, which is that those, that sort of creative thinking, that imaginative, that imaginative thinking.
0: It's hard to put entrepreneurs in a box. We don't do so well there. Uh, we're a bit psycho. No. We need we need to have all kinds of good stuff happening, to um, be able to think clearly and wildly and just do what feels right. Um, well, I want to get back to the one of the things. You know, your uh, your work experience uh, piece on your LinkedIn read like war and peace. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> And uh, I just want to know how I get in on some of those severance packages. Is there a way I can sneak in there? Because that seems like a really cool way to get things to happen. But again, I I think that experience just shows your resiliency that, again, you didn't say no. You you took the opportunities. You made the best of them. You kept learning until you found this calling um, to do this thing. And and again, there's two things that you do. And I'm trying to figure out the coaching and then the, the art side of it. Which one is your really your passion? Which one do you like the best?
2: Oh man, I knew you'd ask that question, and it's ah. such a hard one. It's such a hard one to answer. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it with a little bit of a story. Um, and and I, I've been, I've been in the world of coaching and the world of art for almost the same amount of time. You know, I went back to art school in around two thousand one, two thousand two, um, and really essentially got introduced to the coaching world through a men's circle that I went to in San Francisco in 2004. And I was I was there every week for four years. And over the last 20 years, I've sunk pretty hard into both of those. And it was about two years ago, uh, or three years ago, we remember something pretty big happened then, and a lot changed. Uh, what changed for me is uh, we moved upstate from, from Brooklyn. We moved, we have a little cabin up there and we moved upstate there and, and a lot changed. I didn't, I, I wasn't in my studio every day. Uh, our kids were home all the time. We have two young kids and my wife's work kind of exploded because she works in the world of, and well, her job is, you know, she runs a, an organization that is working to end mass incarceration. So with everything that was going on in 2020, she was very busy. So Kind of a lot stopped, um, and, I, and I took the opportunity then to obviously spend more time with my kids. I wouldn't say I took the opportunity. I would say I had to, uh, and, and it was very difficult. I mean, I think it was very difficult. Even with everything that we have, it was extremely challenging, and it was around the end of 2020 that I started to put more time into uh, a project that I was working on upstate. All that is to say, when that ended, when I decided to leave that organization, I hadn't really been putting time into my art. I hadn't really been putting myself out there as a coach. So it was a, a relative, let's call it a low point. It was a very difficult time. And I think you've asked some other guests about kind of what what was that turning point. And I'm, and I'm kind of illustrating that now. So with with that kind of, with, with sort of call it like an everything kind of falls apart kind of moment, um, I had the opportunity and, and I say an opportunity, but I mean, if I'm really honest, like I was depressed at the time, like things did, things were pretty bleak. Kids were home all the time. You know, things were really challenging. I was having challenge challenges in particular with one with one kid who we weren't really sure what was going on. And, you know, my, my wife was busy with work and, you know, everything kind of had to keep moving. So, you know, I, I had a really, really difficult time. I was very grateful to have the support of some friends, my wife, people who kind of knew a little bit on the inside of what was going on off social media. What, what I did at that time was take some of these creative tools and those coaching tools and, and make a new plan. Um, and it wasn't, I'm not going to say it was, oh, I just sort of sat down and was like, oh, yeah, okay, great, I've got a plan. It was difficult and I needed time. It took months, months uh, for me to, to really come to this place. But, but I used one of these creative tools and I sat down and I said, okay, what is, let's look at my LinkedIn. What is, what the hell do you do? You know, you, you know, you run an art gallery, you do illustration, you do digital work, you do, as you call it, regular art, traditional art, stuff with your hands. Um, you know, you teach and you mentor people and, and, and you, and you run organizations. So, so let's put all this on paper and let's sort of figure out, let's take a moment here. And instead of just taking sort of the next thing that shows up in front of you. And I think this is a little bit of what I work with people. I don't think this is a little bit of what I work with people on instead of just sort of saying, okay, what can I get? What's available? If you have time to do this, it was so valuable for me to sit down, kind of put it all on paper. It's a, I, I kind of call it like a little bit of, I call it like an everything on the table kind of exercise. Just, just put your whole LinkedIn on paper in front of you. And then you do a little bit of a Marie Kondo and you just keep the stuff that sparks joy. Right? Like, so I looked and I was like, what are these things really gives me energy, what really feeds me and feels like is part of my purpose here on this earth. And um, that gets a little bit woo woo, but I feel like that's, you know, that's, that's where I live. So with that, I kind of looked at all that and yes, it's art, but it's a little bit more about creativity. And the thing that really I noticed lights me up the most is when I am using my creative skills, using my creative talents, my, my coaching talents, my, you know, my conversation, to inspire other people um you know when i looked at, at this list and i could see that i'd had an impact on people's lives who had then gone on and had an impact on others lives that was just an amazing feeling like my heart was full and so i started to look around at what that might look like and in fact i i, I didn't go right to coaching even though that's the world i'd been in i actually applied to school for art therapy when i decided that the deadlines were about a week away so i I you know I I I went to Harvard so I'm very used to you know waiting until the last minute to do things that's that's how we write papers there, and so I scrambled I got my recommendations I got my applications in but in the meantime I also signed up for a coach training program to really see what other skills were out there not just from what I had learned and what I had been doing but see if there was just to understand. I, you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. So I was like, okay, let's, I've got some time. Let's, let's, let's do this. Um, and I fell in love. I really fell in love with what I was seeing out there and really it kind of exploded my world. And I've been on that path uh, really ever since.
0: So that was kind of your aha moment right then.
2: That, that was an aha moment. And, and it was a series of aha moments. You know, I I think, I think. Sometimes people maybe who are listening are like, okay, well, I'm waiting for that one moment where like it all becomes clear. My moment was a year and, you know, and it's still happening. It's still happening, you know, now that I'm open to it.
1: And I think we talk a lot about you talked about the highs and the lows. We talk about the peaks and the valleys.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) And as you
1: you've been through them, you know, do you feel like even though the valley was tough and, you, you know, you kind of elaborated on that. Do you feel like you needed that valley to kind of get to the peak?
2: I, I I wish the answer was no, but absolutely. You know, I absolutely did. I can think of a few other times where where things were, where things really seemed pretty bleak. I mean, this was really the big one in my life, but I did need that. Um, you know, and I, I hate to say I'm grateful for it. But now, having having looked for that support, I think one of the things that that really helped me in that moment A is that I had some of these coaching tools from from my work, so. I was sort of like, okay. I sort of knew that this was happening in a way, and it wasn't. You know, I knew that there was another side because I'd already kind of worked with people on this, even though it didn't feel like there was another side. Um, but I absolutely needed that, and I needed to actually look at look at that as an opportunity. And it, again, it wasn't like it happened. And I was like, oh, great, an opportunity. Like, no, it was terrible, and it was terrible for a while. <laughs>
0: well, one of the things that you kind of mentioned, I think, is is really important, is. You know, when you are, you know, is you're just a normal individual and you have a real job and you just kind of struggle and you just kind of do your grind, you do your routine and you're just there and you just accept that as the norm. When you're trying to break out from that and be an entrepreneur, those struggles that one has and and those things, it's, it's trained us by society, whatever, to, that's a personal private thing. Well, you were very fortunate that you had a little support around you to while you're being challenged with those struggles to try to figure that out. And again, we only grow in the valleys, right? The peaks are like, those are cake. We're just skiing there, going downhill, but the, the valleys is the hard part. So having those people to be able to share that struggle with a lot of entrepreneurs don't recognize that there are people out there that can help them with that. That just, Hey, just find the mentor, find somebody that you can lament a little bit with. And most entrepreneurs want to help everybody. And while you were doing that, that I think the other point that you made is, um, we, we call it the manifesto and it's basically write down, you know, who it is you are, what do you want to be? Get all that crap in your head on a piece of paper. And then you start tweaking that. And next thing, you know, it kind of just jumps off the page. But if, until you do that, it's so mumbled in your brain, nobody can kind of figure that out. You kind of have to have to write it down. And again, Another success story of somebody writing things down, Julie. See that it works every time, hundred <laughs> percent of the time, sixty percent. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you do you have a um, when you be decided to um, kind of go on your own and do this coaching thing? Did is it something you're just were sort of like, you know, look enough of these real jobs, enough of these severance packages, enough of traveling around? Like this is who I want to be and what I want to do. Did you just do a gradual transition in that or are you forced to just say, well, look, I'm doing this now. This is where it is.
2: Well, I've done this a couple times in my life and I've done it two different ways. Uh Um, I would, I would, (laughs) two aha moments. I would, I don't think that I would ever say to somebody, oh, just, you know, give up your job and and good luck. Um, You know, uh, one of the things that I've done for, for years is mentor and coach artists who are looking to do that. I don't like, I don't like this thing that I'm doing. I want to make art full time. And my, if I were to give you sort of my vanilla advice, you know, it is to start doing that work kind of in your spare time, which is what I did. You know, and this was in 2008 or nine when I moved to New York uh, because of the woman that I was dating, who I am now married to and have two kids with. So it happened. It It was a good, it was a good move. It was a good move. Um, You know, but then in 2010, we had our, you know, we had our first kid. And we realized how expensive those kids are. And so I did go back. I did go back and uh, I went back and I found a job. I found a job you know, because, because I, need, you know, I needed to find that support. But I, but I looked for a job that I could do that you know, wasn't going to take up a lot of brain space that I could do pretty easily that would make me you know, enough money that I could come home and do my creative work. And and that's really that's really what I did. Is I came home, I did my creative work. I continued to build up a freelance practice. Um, I actually went on and worked for a different company after that in video games. But then, but then about nine or so months later, I, I went full time freelance. But I but I spent that extra time building up uh, that that work so that I wasn't sort of jumping out and saying, okay, I'm available. Like I hope clients show up. I made sure that I had those clients before. I left and a little bit of a runway so that, you know, I, I, I could, you know, I could pay my bills and I'll be honest, you know, I also have a second income in the house. So I knew that if things got thin, which they did at times, I had that support. Um, and so I've been doing that since about 2010. And, uh, and then, you know, when, when COVID hit, obviously, you know, I don't, don't, there was that, there was that aha moment, but it was like a little bit of a forced one for a lot of, a lot of people as well.
0: You know, it's uh, a funny, uh, as a, uh, accountant entrepreneur, like, I don't know what side of the brain I use most. Is it the right side, left side? If you're think about,
1: it's not the side he uses. Right. So (laughs) what
0: I was, what my, my point was, is that You know, that one side of my brain really is kind of like most of my brain, right? Well, you distinctly have these two halves. One is the excessive creative side where even when you tapped into the other side, the the, the, quote real job working side, it didn't even affect your other side. So you literally were working on both sides of your brain. And doing just fine <laughs> where for somebody like me, it's like one thing and that's all I can do. Right. So you were able to I do can both. Attest to that. Yeah, it's a true statement. Um, so <laughs> having the ability to be able to shut off the creative side to go do this thing and kind of rest that side, then shut that one off and go on the other side. That's pretty cool. Not many people can do that. So that was kind of a neat opportunity that you had because when you said it took a job that didn't hurt your one side of the brain, I thought that was that was a neat statement.
2: Well I would I would I would push back on that a little bit. Okay. Hit um, this me. is actually this is this is actually where I work with people uh, a lot of the time. People who are sort of ready to hear this. I, I I don't believe that we that we don't have those sides of the brain. I think that's a limiting belief that our society has kind of put on us is that oh I you know, I'm just a, I'm just a numbers guy. I'm not creative. This but is crazy I, talk found... is all
0: I'm saying. This is just all crazy
2: talk. I don't know, Mark. I, I've known him for a long time. And no, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable. But you
1: can convince me, convince me. Okay.
2: Keep going. Well, Let's hear it. There's a, there's a great book. Uh, if if you like words and reading called master and commander uh, about this, it's, it's sort of a, a seminal, uh, I is that a, movie? a, a, mush, it's a <laughs> different, different kind of movie. It's not Russell Crowe did not yes. write the book. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so, but, but I feel you, um, but it talks about this sort of, you know, this sort of myth that we are, we are sort of run by one or other side of the brain. Uh, and without getting too deep into the, the research there, there is plenty. It's a little bit of a science book uh, by, by somebody who is really kind of at the top of the game there. But this is where I work with people, especially when people are kind of ready or, or, or fed up or frustrated, or just really even sense that there's something more that they, that more potential, more impact that they want to have in the world. That does take creative thinking, but through many different exercises, including lots of writing exercises, uh, lots of exercises that we do in conversation, this is a muscle that you can build. It's not one that we are trained to even like, look at, look at me. I went and studied computer science because I thought, you know, I thought that wasn't, that wasn't really the muscle that you know, I was trying to build this creative muscle. But through, uh, thankfully, the experiences that I had early on, I got to see that, you know, the people who are truly successful, truly have a fulfilled life, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, or, you know, a business owner or, um, you know, multi-million, billion-dollar business owner, it's, the, it, that, it's that kind of creative thinking that we actually do use all the time. If you're a manager leading teams, the kind of, you know, I know that you've talked about this on the podcast, the kind of listening and openness and vulnerability that you have to have while being a business owner, while being a manager, while being a professional, this does take creative thinking. Um, and I think the best people, the people who are best at that kind of listening are the ones who are, who are open to that or who understand that at least a little bit and are willing to, to work with that.
0: Is that, so is another way of saying that would, would be is that some people are scared by whatever society puts on them or their own fears that they have, that it's hard for them to, Tap into that greatness that they have to make the decision to get out of their comfort zone and go do something that's way outside their their, their box, right? And I think that's what you're saying is to recognize that because I think that's – most people just need to push to just get started. And then all of a sudden it just opens yeah. up and a whole nother, you know, what do we call that another uh, – a window of opportunity, I guess, or a whole nother zone, uh, another dimension, I guess you'd call it. And most people didn't even know they have that in them until they start looking and they're like, wow, I didn't know I could even do that, which is kind of rewarding, right?
2: Kind of rewarding. It's it's life, man. It's everything. It's, it's amazing. No, I, 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 you're absolutely right. And I think you put it really well. I would I would add to that, that, that um, it is scary to sort of jump up. And that's why I said, you know, I don't recommend just sort of cutting everything off and being like, okay, I'm a totally different person. I'm doing this other thing. I hope it goes well. Um, What we what I call it, at least what what we call it in our world is leaning into your edge. So the way I kind of think about this and I've written about this on my uh, on my coaching blog is is that imagine, if you will, that you, your your taste, the thing you like, the thing you do, who you are is like a piece of a puzzle. And and you fit in that puzzle with your family, with your community, with your coworkers, with society. And so you're in a kind of comfortable place. In order to grow, in order to take on new challenges, you have to kind of lean into the edge of that shape that you are. And so what a great coach does is give you the support that you need to kind of push on that edge and change that shape. And the reason that's challenging is because imagine that you're a piece in a puzzle. Well, if you change your shape, well, it's not going to really fit anymore and you're going to have pressure from your family from your coworkers from your friends from you know society at large to to kind of go back into that shape that you were you know maybe you go and have a great session with a coach maybe you you know maybe go have a great really opening weekend somewhere where you really learned a lot about yourself and who you really are and who you want to be and then you come back and everyone's like i don't know you're being weird please go back to to kind of who you were it's very easy to fall back into old habits again i mean not yeah this this is where this is where coaching this is where i really fell in love with it is that sort of ongoing support where you know i'll work with people and then i'll 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 talk to them again a week later a month later and they go okay that felt really great. And then I oh, things kind of got back to normal. You can imagine like, you know, you make a new year's resolution, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get in shape and you really go for it. And then suddenly the life, the second of, kind of January, you give up, right? <laughs> the, sec- the second or a third of okay. January. Yeah, exactly.
0: I think what you're saying is like uh, the, uh, the taste, once you taste it, it's really hard to go back, but it's real comfortable. Well, and I kept, I kept thinking
1: yeah. about that uncomfortable feeling. You know, mm-hmm. I think we grow from being uncomfortable, which is exactly what you're talking about. percent that is hard, especially when you're surrounded by people who like that comfort, right? And so as you see, you know, as you coach people and you talk about, you know, the puzzle piece, do you find that sometimes they have to find new
2: people? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I was working with someone who... Uh, works at a pretty high level in um, in she's been working in government and and nonprofits. She was actually a senior advisor to the president and on his campaign. and um, and she's written on my LinkedIn, so I, I don't feel like i'm I'm breaking confidentiality. you can you can go read her testimonial. But um, you know, w- when I was working when I was working with her, there, there there, was a lot of self-discovery that caused her to sort of examine her relationships and who she wanted to work with without getting into really too many specifics there. But, you know, I'll tell people, like, don't be afraid that you're going to come find a coach and suddenly have to find all new friends and quit your job and all these things. And again, I'm never going to recommend that you just sort of jump off a, a bridge and hope it goes well. But it's about these kinds of gradual shifts. One of the things... That I work with people on and the way that I work through this change is, is through the idea of and I, th- I think this is probably you know we've talked about this you've talked about this a lot is this idea of a very small first step um, if you read James Clear's book Atomic Habits which is I think an absolute must read for any o- entrepreneur or, or human honestly it's just such a brilliant book um, but he really hammers in the idea and there's a ton of research behind this that he had that he that he talks about in his book about this idea of taking small steps And if you take those small steps consistently or even one small step and do it consistently, that change has has exponential impact over time. And I think he gives this example in the book. But if you can imagine, you know, you're you're shooting a rocket to the moon or something. You're flying a rocket to the moon. Now, if you were to shift that rocket half a degree from from Earth, you would go, you know, after after the same amount of time, you'd be millions of miles off into into some new space now obviously if, if you're flying a rocket you, you probably want to get to where you're going but when it comes to coaching you can guide these small steps to shift who you are to change your relationships you don't have to sh- change all these relationships overnight you will discover and people do discover and, and i've worked with other people who you know came back to me and said you know i did the writing exercises i did you know i did the energy exercises you talked about and god i really i feel like i need to actually find some new friends. These friends that I have aren't serving me, they're holding me back. And I go, okay, well, let's, let's support you. Let's support you on doing that in a way that, that you do it in a healthy way and not in a way that, that takes you too, you know, too far, too far down. Let's get you the support that you need.
0: That That's the craziest thing is that um, people in our lives, you know, it, it could be anybody, friends, family, colleague, whatever. They either, they want you support you to get, to be your best version or they like you the way you are because it serves them. It's the damnedest thing of how do you how do you get why yeah. I can't understand why people don't want you to be the best you can be. It doesn't make sense to me. But that's the way life is, right? So just recognizing that, you know, you've got to push the limits, you gotta to get to overcome your fear, you gotta get that taste, and then all of a sudden you will transform yourself into somebody who you really wanna be, which is again the craziest thing that it's hard to get the support from people. Um, you got to move out, move to do those things. I I don't know the answer. I just think
1: it's such an, when you said it, it was such an important thing that Mm -hmm. I just think people need to hear. You know, I think we kind of hear little bits and pieces of it, but just to be blunt and hear it directly of like, it's going to be okay. And sometimes that has to happen. (laughs) Um, I just think was, was really important. So thanks for sharing that.
0: If you were going to have your uh, dream client besides besides me, who who would that be? That he, <laughs> he, would, he didn't say he would take you I, on. I that's, no, I just the, I'm just I don't want to put the pressure on. like he's got to ask you, me.
2: You took my you took my answer. Now ah, I, I Well, I besides you me, who out there would
0: you be like, man? If I could just get that dude or that chick on the, and I could just coach them, they would be amazing. I can see their potential. Do you have somebody like that that you were just? It's in your crosshairs that you would just love to go after.
2: Um, or you have know, you had I'd, them? have i had them i well i i think well thank you for that because i have i have had uh, at least one client um that that is really you know my dream and i'll just, just sort of describe them and then i can i can maybe even give you a specific person my you know who who my who, who would be my my dream client um the 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 client that i worked with that really really filled me up. Um, and I have, I have a few. So if you're listening out there, like I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily picking favorites, but I, you know, you're asking me to pick one.
0: No discrimination Um, here. Yeah.
2: But it's, it's the idea of, of, uh, what I want to do with my work is I want to have a ripple effect. It's not just about, okay, like you, you want to make a change in your life and I want to charge you money. So let's work together. And that's, that's not how I I work. I actually, I offer a free discovery session. In fact, I offered two basically sessions so that I can work with people so that I can understand what it is that they want to do in the world. What is that purpose? Let's do some writing. Let's do some conversation. Let's really see what shows up. When we have these conversations, you know, does it, does it open you up? Are you able to, to really look at and have this conversation with your, with yourself, with your inner self and really be vulnerable and open and say what that looks like? And the second part of that is, am I excited by that? You know, I've definitely met with people who, you know, who say, oh, you know, I just I really want to make a lot more money or, you know, I, I want to find this or I want to find that. And if we can't get underneath that and find a deeper purpose and impact, that's not that's not my client. Um, so so the dream client is someone who is, is really seeking to make a big impact in the world. Uh, I think I work really well with people who, like we said before, kind of understand that you have to be a little bit comfortable with discomfort. So if you're coming in with all your defenses up and I right, I think I'm doing everything fine I just want it to go better. I'm like, you know, well, um, I was on Peter Shankman's podcast and I love what he says about, you know, in order to live a life you haven't lived, you have to do things you haven't done. So if you're if you if you if you're not just lip service about that, if you're someone like that and you're willing to use creative tools and Like I said, I'm a little bit woo-woo. So if you're willing to kind of look at your inner purpose, if you're willing to look at yourself and have these conversations, that would be a dream client. Um, I'm working with someone right now who's in the creative world and looking to make a bigger impact. So um, I can't, the truth is, I don't work with a specific profession. So, you know, Mm -hmm. would it be a celebrity? Would it be, you know, someone who's running a, a very large business? Is it, you know, is it Joe Biden? I can't say. Um, I probably wouldn't say no if he asked, but just, just for the record of his listening, but, um, but I'm looking for people who really have heart, who really like are coming at this with more than just, more than just, okay, I want to, you know, I want to be, I want to be successful. I want to have tons of money. I want to be, you know, even I just want to be able to give money. It's about, I had a really interesting conversation with an artist who, um, who I haven't, who I have worked with for the last six months or so. And, one of the things that really kind of uh, caught my ear when we were talking is when we were talking about kind of that bigger vision and purpose. And I do ask people to push themselves in this conversation. What's what's bigger than making more money? What's, what, do you, what do you get? What do you want? How how are you going to impact people? She really had a vision around, uh, for, for herself, it was around animal uh, wildlife preservation. And we explored that and we got into that and we got to see some small steps towards creating a life that was that, that, that she could start doing that even in small ways and start to build that part of her life before, you know, she made her millions or anything else. Because people often, like you said, they think that they need to, they need to I need to get to this place and then I can kind of relax. I need to get to this place and then I can kind of have what I want or do what I want. I work with people to show them that, and, and, and the, what I open up for them a lot of the times is, well, maybe there's ways that you can do that now. And maybe that would actually make this other stuff Easier. It would make those decisions easier about what you, what it is that you should be doing.
0: So I think the, the, again, I love stereotypes because they make me laugh and they're, and they're mostly true, but it's when you look at somebody who is more creative, they don't really do things for the money. They do it because they have a passion in something. And then we got to try to figure out how to help them make money with that creative side because they got to make a living. We look at the people that do the other side that are all about making money and systems and process and building something. They really don't know their why other than they make money. So I think a typical client that you would have could be on either side of that spectrum and you got to figure out how to extract, right. you know, just cause I want to make more money. Well, that's probably not what they want to do. They probably want to find their <laughs> purpose and the person who's not making any money and to be creative, they probably need to make some money.
1: Well, and I, I think I just listened to a podcast this morning and I actually sent it to Glenn cause I was like, this podcast was amazing. And you're saying all the same things. So Kudos to you. Um, <laughs> it was funny. I was like having deja vu sitting over here. But I think oftentimes when people can't find their passion and purpose, they're not fulfilled. And so they're just, they, they keep chasing that. You, you kept talking about chasing that next thing because they get there, right? They get to the next thing and they, that that moment was nothing to them, right? Because that didn't actually fulfill whatever passion, purpose mission vision whatever you want to define it as it just was the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing they're chasing that dollar whatever it is they're never going to be fulfilled until they can define exactly what's going to fulfill them essentially
2: yeah so what what, what i'm curious that can i ask you a question is that allowed sure, sure. is america you do anything you want <laughs> I, I'm curious if you were to, you know, if you were to say what's the what's the impact that, that you have with these conversations, what's the impact and and who benefits from all this uh, great, you know, uh, all these episodes of your podcast.
1: So I think Glenn and I are going to have a little bit of a different answer. So this all came from, you know, at the CPA firm. It's like we have these entrepreneurs that come in and it seemed like such a lonely world. And, and I think mm. both of us kind of live that as well of like, who do you talk to? Right. You have all these things in your head. And all these ideas and whatever that is and it's like there's no one to kind of go through those peaks and valleys with or to learn or be like oh my gosh i went through that too right and so we really just wanted for me the purpose of was to really bring a sense of community i love that sense of community around mm-hmm. some things you know all the same things and so if we could give one piece of advice to one person and they use that to change their life I think the podcast idea is done, right? I walked into Glenn's office one day and was like, I had this idea. And he was like, okay, sit down. Like I've had, you know, 400 of them, you know. And, that day, right. And he's like, okay, so how how do we do this? You know, and so it just came from making, the, again, you talk about impact. And if it's just one person, then I feel like we've done what we set out to do.
0: Yeah, for
2: me, it's so a, Glenn, yeah, it's Glenn a, are, you saying that, are you saying that you came in with a creative idea to do something that, you know, and, and, and that you were open to that? Is that Let, let's so- be
0: crystal clear is actually my idea. Okay. And I soft played <laughs> it like 10 years earlier and then she finally 10 t- t- years executed earlier. on it. It took her a long time. It
2: sounds like you had a great coach in you your <laughs> to, to push you over that. Yeah, yeah. But,
0: You know, it's a funny thing. I do have a, a, a uh, He has I an affinity
1: think, for saying that every single time I have an idea, by the way. Right.
0: <laughs> well, I think I do have a, a little bit of creative side just because of just the life experience that I had and what I deal with on a daily basis with clients. I, and I do a ton of reading. I just can look at things in a different perspective because mm-hmm. in my role, oh, yeah. I have to look at it a different perspective. I can't keep everybody in the box. We have to look at different things to solve different problems. So I, I do have a creative side. Definitely not art. I can draw like a 3D cube thing. I can do that pretty good. But I really can't draw anything else other than that. But for, for me, the podcast thing was I just recognized that back in the day, like you said, your, your, your high school you went to that was formed way back when, you know, there's certain things that people teach in school and certain things that we wish they would teach. And those are, mm-hmm. there's either you're going to be, you're either going to work for a job or you're going to work for uh, something that you find passion in. And, and and I just think with the access to information in today's world, there's more and more opportunity to be an entrepreneur because the access to information is readily available. Before you had to go to school and you had to learn it all yourself. And if you didn't go there, you weren't going to let, and nobody's going to tell you the secret today information is out there. So for me, the inspiration is I just think entrepreneurialism is the coolest thing ever. Again, some people are programmed that way. Some people aren't. That's okay. But the ones that are programmed that way and they don't know it, the inspiration to just say, hey, you're not by yourself. You can do this. Here's what you're going to probably face. And you're never going to know it till you go through it. But at least if you have some sort of operating manual that says this is probably what's going to happen if you do these things, that was kind of my why, and to just inspire people to say, "Hey, you—you you could be more than just doing this task in a job," and—and and that's really why I wanted to do it.
1: Two different perspectives.
2: Well, it sounds to me like you're both saying, kind of what what you said at the, at the beginning is you're you're making an impact on people, so, and you're 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 changing you're changing lives, even if that's just. I love what you said about a perspective shift. I think that's that's a really important thing to understand as even just a first step. You know, you again, you don't you don't someone doesn't listen to the podcast and go, I'm quitting my job, we're done. Like, I mean, maybe I, I don't think we hear those stories. But but shifting perspective is so important because if if you, you know, again, if you if you hear it enough over time, podcasts are great for this, right? If you hear it enough over time, it starts to sink in. We have society telling us all these other things, but if you have another voice in your head going, well, maybe maybe there's another way you could think about it. Just even thinking about it or writing about it is 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 something that can shift a perspective and that could be that 1 degree change that over time gets people to start to move in a direction that is more aligned with purpose and fulfillment. I mean, if you so, don't if you make that
0: degree shift on your rocket ship, you you might land on the moon, if not, you're going to be seeing a Tesla her out in outer space somewhere. So you got to be real careful with that. Um so I think uh one cool thing that we like to ask is, you know, everybody, whether they know it or not, and if they hadn't looked at it or not, but, you know, we all have a a superpower. Um, do you have a superpower besides, you know, is it, is it, you know, is it writing? Is it communication with people? What is, what is the thing that you're like, man, I just, I freaking own that.
2: Um, if we were to have dinner together at my house and there was food left over. I can tell you exactly which Tupperware will fit the leftovers perfectly every time. That is a skill. And, and you set. know
1: where the lid is?
2: Most of it. <laughs> but that's not that's not part of that's not part of it. I, but I can tell you which one will fit. Um, as it relates to entrepreneurship, um, you know, I think, you know, again, I I I mentioned this and and I think I think it's okay to talk about mental health stuff. Um Growing up, I, it was was not the easiest for me. And one of the things that I had to do as call it a survival technique, and I say survival technique, I mean, we always had food on the table. I went to a private school. Like, you know, there's you could look at my life and say there wasn't suffering, but it wasn't, it wasn't always easy. And one of the things that I had to do is to become very sensitive to the people around me and whatever mood shifts was going on for them. Um, through therapy and coaching and, and other tools, What I've discovered is how to use that, call it sensitivity, as as a superpower. Um, Now I use that, obviously I use it in my coaching and my work with people and starting to really have a real, what, what we call kind of a third level listening for, or global listening for, you know, a little bit of what's under the surface for people and being able to gently and with support say, okay, I'm sort of, I'm sort of noticing something here for you. You're saying, you're saying this, but I'm also noticing something shift for you. And we talk about what you're feeling. Again, this is, this gets into a little bit of the woo-woo work. You know, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and be a business. I mean, we work on people's businesses, but I don't work on it with by, by looking at their numbers and you know telling them how to manage their teams. I certainly don't tell somebody you know like like the, I have clients who do things that are very very different from my background. Not just creative people. I'm not going to you know I'm not going to coach you and tell you how to you know how to be a CPA. But but one of the things that um, I think is Again it's it, um, it's it's a, it was a difficult experience that I'm now in many ways grateful for because it gave me the tools to understand a what it's like to 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 be a sensitive person or, uh, but also what it's like to work with that sensitivity as as a deeper level of listening. So when I work with people, you know, I will I will talk about okay, so so what is it that you're that you're feeling right now? Let's let's examine what's happening for you as you talk about these things and let's see where maybe there's some discomfort because discomfort is a, it's a feeling, right? Like, you it's know, real. and, and oftentimes we're taught to sort of cover it up or just find a solution. And and I do, I, you know, I call myself in, in some, in some worlds, I call myself a solutions focused coach because that's what we do. You know, I've done, I've done lots of therapy, which is the sort of like looking at what happened and really trying to process and integrate that. So you feel you know better. And then coaching is a lot about is about looking at the future. It's about, okay, let's, Let's start with with where you are, but let's not ignore those things. Let's not pretend those things don't exist. How can you work with this, just as I have with these various adverse experiences? How could you possibly work with that as as a tool?
0: I think the 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 premise. I think that's part of another thing about this podcast that we hope is that um, you know every single person on the planet is is certifiable crazy, right? We all have issues. <laughs> you know what? Not only just the way we're programmed but what things shaped us and all those things that happened to us for our life. Everybody has a struggle, everybody has a, a story. And when you can finally just say, how the heck do I get out of my own way? Because it's only up to you as an individual. It, nobody else is yeah. gonna do it for you. And so right. we find that when somebody, the mentor, the inspiration, whatever those things are that can get somebody to just go, wait a minute, if I look at it from this perspective, Those things don't matter anymore because tomorrow is the first day of the rest of my life. Let's make that happen. I think that's probably your your superpower is, is getting people to get out of their own way, which I think is probably the coolest thing that we do all the time because that really is what it's about. People just get so into your zone, you can't think outside the box. And when you can step back and look over, you're like, oh, that's all I got to do? Easy. And then you can put all that stuff in the back and think about it later.
1: I like how he says easy.
0: Right, it's easy peasy. How <laughs> hard can it be? A million, billions of people do it. Um.
1: So I think we have one more question. What is your end game? Where does your journey go, and my where? Did, w- that's a
2: good. That's a great question. Um, the way that I think about that, and I do think and write about this, is is you know what would the world be like if my purpose was fulfilled? You know if i if i were to if i were to live my purpose and my vision for the world which is what which is what i think and what i hope we're all kind of working towards and get to work towards and this is like we said with you know with clients who are maybe maybe stuck in a job or maybe they've you know they're at the end of their you know they've, they've run a startup they've run a company they're ready to exit whatever it is there's there's time to think about what is the deep and meaningful impact you want to have in the world so when you ask about Endgame, that's what I think about. What does the world look like when, when that future is created? So my, my purpose, if I were to state it in two words, is to unleash creativity and that's how i work with people is to, is to work with people to i work i use creative tools and it's a little bit of a tardis if if you, if you get the reference it's uh, it's, it's doctor who no okay yes. so there's you yeah, know so okay so there's a phone booth and it looks like a phone booth but you go in and it's like a whole universe in there it's a lot bigger on the inside and i i think that's what that's how i work with people on purpose you might be able to say you know it's to do this but the world will look different If you actually fulfill that, if you take all these small steps. So to get to the answer to your question, you know, I think I think if we lived in a world where people really had access to creative tools, I think that a lot would change. Uh, I think that people would be just much more at ease. People would know that that they have the creative tools to get through adverse experiences. Um, They would not be as much. Or maybe at all acting out of fear so many of our decisions are out of fear fear of scarcity fear of losing friendships fear of losing resources um and and for many people that fear is real you know that's a real outcome that's possible so it's not it's i mean i'm not saying fear isn't real i'm not saying that that these outcomes aren't possible and i'm not saying it's easy the work that i do with people is often not easy just as you you said earlier so so if that purpose were fulfilled, if that end game were fulfilled, I would be working with people who, are, who would be making these deep and meaningful impacts on the world to change people's lives so that I mean, if we're really going to paint a picture, I want everyone to have everything. I want everyone to have the resources they need. I want everyone to have food, housing, health care. You know, and I want to work with with people who are bought into that vision. You don't have to run a healthcare company to work with me, although I have worked with people who who, who essentially do. Um, but you know, if if that's part of your vision, whether you're you know uh, an actor or or an artist or somebody who does work in healthcare or or any of these things, if that's part of your vision, I believe that we can all make small steps towards that vision. You might say, "Oh, you know, I I just do this kind of creative work, or I'm just, you know, I'm just working." uh, You know, I run a production company. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, But there are always small ways that you can do that, even if that's just work that you do as a volunteer or donating money. There's always ways that we can contribute to this world where everyone has what they need. There's there's a wonderful book by um, Mariam. I hope I get it right. Mariam Kaba um, uh, called "We Do This Till We Free Us," and it's about that kind of world that we're working towards where every, every everyone has what they need and people can you know people can live in a world where there a lot of the fear is gone because because the, the the scarcity is gone people people have what they need and they and because again if i'm working with people using these creative exercises you start to build that muscle where an adverse situation comes out maybe you know the company folds you lose a job whatever it is and you can have that resource, as I was lucky enough to have to say, "Okay, this sucks. <laughs> this is terrible. You know, this feels awful." And I know that I maybe need time to mourn, to grieve, whatever it is. And I can still do a little bit of writing and a little bit of work to start to to start to work myself out, so that when I'm done feeling sad, I can I can be on the path to to, to contributing to this better world.
0: Yeah, I think that's the uh, the greatest country here, in the United States, where the equality or the oppor- the opportunity is there for all. All you have to do is seek it. Now, you may not get the outcome you want because of whatever those conditions are, but the opportunities are there. And it, all you have to do is open the door and go seize one and see what happens. And if you, if you chose the right one, you got the right team, you do it right, you will be successful at it. And if not, guess what? Go back and grab another one. That's the coolest thing about here. There's just so many opportunities for everybody. And that I think dovetails into your point. Mark, do you want to give a little plug of your companies or whatever like that so our listeners, if they want to reach out to you, they can do so?
2: I'll try to keep it simple because, again, you look at my LinkedIn, there's a few different things there. But um, right now, I'm very, very much focused on the coaching work. That's where I feel like I have the most impact Um, when I work with people one-on-one, when I work with people in in groups and through the writing I do. And you can find links to basically all of that work at markchefcoaching.com dot com. Um, I'm sure you'll post a link in the notes. Uh, It's Mark with a C. It's Chef with two Fs and an S at the beginning.
0: Sounds good. Well, Mark, really appreciate you coming on the show today. I hope our listeners found some value in that. I'm sure they did. I always learn something on all these, so appreciate your time today. Julie, always good seeing you. Talk to you soon.
2: Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.